Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast. Hello and Hello. welcome to... <laughs> Oh, on, mate. What After a you. fantastic start. Great start. <laughs> oh, dear. I oh, think dear. let's just keep it like that, Stu. <laughs> of course, yeah. Don't worry. Our listeners are very, very switched on to your uh, levels of unprofessionalism. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Hardcore Listing Podcast. Uh, I'm Stu Whiffy. Joining me always, my co-host, co-creator uh, and bell piece, Christopher William Glasson. How are you, mate? I'm very well. Thanks, buddy. Oh, yeah. You? You good? I'm all right. I'm all right. You waved when we first joined the call with your other hand and you had a big old... Right, what's going on now? Because you you said said the word surgery like it was like (laughs) life and death the other day. And I was like, right, what's going on? Wanker's whiplash. (laughs) I I had to have a mole removed. Right. So, yeah. Is that it? Yeah. No, um, yeah, pretty much. I had that whipped off. And um, it's the second one I've had done and I I let them start and then I start watching and they're like, oh, you're not squeamish. And I'm like, I, I'm i really squeamish for like, if you if I take, if I give blood, I get really a bit like, I don't like, I don't know what it is, but obviously taking a scalpel to my arm, I was like, oh, look, <laughs> she's like, oh, okay. Yeah, you're not squeamish. And uh, yeah, it's a weird sensation to not to be able to feel a part of your body, isn't it? Have you ever been under like local anaesthetic? I had... Um I got an iron filing in my eyeball and uh, I've actually had it twice, which is ridiculous. <laughs> there, there's definitely something to be said for wearing safety goggles when you work in construction. And uh, and, and when I did, uh, it happened twice. Um, and the second time, first time they just literally whipped it out. But uh, the second time they sprayed my eye with this really weird stuff and numbed it. Uh, and it kind of completely messed with my my balance. It was a really strange sensation. And then I watched this kind of like tweezers go into my eyeball oh, God. and pluck this thing out. And I could see it. And obviously your natural reaction is to flinch and to but it was it was very surreal because literally see someone rummaging around in your eye. And uh yeah, That's it pr- was it was 
It was quite. Yeah, it was way more um, dangerous and, and interesting than than your wrist. <laughs> well, I, I guess we'll find out once we have the biopsy, won't we, on how dangerous that is? But yeah, oh, I is mean, that what it was for? Oh no, I mean, like they always check, don't they? Make sure right. the, the bowl's oh, not okay. gone wrong. But um, right, I'm, I'm glad you kept that in the back pocket just to make me feel yeah, like shit. Yeah, I'm not going to let Amazing. you. I might have cancer. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to let you beat me. <laughs> your stupid eye story. <laughs> Although that. that could be like a like a scene out of a horror film, couldn't it? Like, yeah. which is uh, I've intentionally done that as a segue to our, our wonderful uh, guest today. But I guess before we do that, we should give a quick shout out to two other horror shows, which are our sponsors. Absolutely. So, we'll kick things yeah, off who are you going to go with? with? Uh, well, I said we're going to kick things off. So there's ah, another tenuous link there. So clever. I'm going to go for the Summer Academy. Um, if you uh, have never. Um, done it but I've always fancied the idea of learning martial arts then um, go check out salmon-academy.co.uk uh, because um, Sai over there he's a, a wonderful human being and uh, and basically can sort of tailor martial arts classes and one to one lessons for whatever you you know whatever you're looking to get from it and and Chris and I as you know we've banged on about it enough have done martial arts and various different um, styles for for years and years and years and and it's it's not just good for you know the, the the physical side of you but it's also really good for your head and, and it gives you so much confidence and and it, so I recently done a a class uh, on women's self-defense and I went along to that um, and just to, uh, hit behind the wall the and just spe- <laughs> and yeah hit behind the wall and just jumped out on random women um, no but it was it was a fantastic um, thing that he done there and it wasn't just the sort of physicalities of um, being able to look after yourself in them sort of situations it was also some real good pointers as to kind of evade situations like that and things that you can do just walking down the street that can help you you know not find yourself in a really really awful situation um but like you say there's also uh incredible just straight up martial arts classes as well um so all you need to do is head over to summer-academy.co.uk or he'll be tagged in this on the socials so give him a, a follow on the socials and drop him a message if you're interested in learning some martial arts who else Chris? indeed indeed uh we have got Big Papa J and the Notorious FAT and their Say What podcast, sometimes featuring the Lady P. I very much hope you guys who listen to this have had a chance to listen to that absolute drivel of a podcast. If you like our show, uh, well, you're obviously going to like Justin uh, talking to Tony about, well, God knows what. Um, yeah, I Monkeys mean... Monkeys with Machine Guns, Monkeys with Machine Guns was, was the uh, most recent one. I quite enjoyed the David Dickinson episode. Um, and hopefully we'll be joining them for a podcast shortly. So yeah, go and give those guys a listen too. They will also be tagged in this. Mm. Um, so uh, so go give them a, a follow and a like and a love and a share and a retweet and all that gubbins. Christopher, <laughs> introduce our guest, please. We have today writer, producer, director... Man of many ideas, and I had the pleasure to catch up with him for a pint and a pizza the other week with uh, Scroobius Pip. Uh, we have Ched Shepard. Hello, hey. mate. Hey, guys. Thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, we did. Absolute that's, pleasure. That's my favourite pizza place in London. Oh, that's uh, good. Yeah, so good. Uh, but yeah, yeah, nice to be here. Thank, thanks for having me on. Oh, well, look, before we get into uh, your, your top fives and that... Um, Let's break down the pizza place. Where was it? What did you have? <laughs> I've not had lunch yet. Uh, it, it, it's a, a place called uh, Made of Dough in, in Peckham on Bellenden Road. 
And uh, actually, we still went on a Monday because it's half price on Monday, by the way, ah. even though it was very reasonable. Yeah, it's it just really nice pizza, proper, like those Italian big uh, stone oven things. Uh, it was just lovely with a bit of burrata on it and ch- chili oil. It, it was great. Mm. Can't go wrong. I bet he better, you... p- paid for it as well, so it tastes oh, even better when it's free. Yeah, He did, he did. <laughs> yeah, we got, we got spoilt. Stu. Stu, by the way, Jed, as soon as you said made of dough, Stu probably couldn't get past how good a name that was. For it's, it's, yeah, it blew my mind. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Stu's like the, the prominent, whenever I need an idea for a name of something, Jed, I'm just like, Stu, I just give him two things and like give him a minute and the most, the, a quality name. That could be a side business for you, Stu, is shop names, I reckon. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Made of dough, he's fantastic. It's great. I have to actually go to another pizza place today. I'm going to a pizza place in Camden called True Romance that's showing Blair Witch Project, and then there's a little Q&A Amazing. thing afterwards. But, yeah, I seem to be in the pizza business right now. Who's, yeah, who's the Q&A with on, with the Blair, on the Blair Witch thing? Me. Uh, oh, is it? <laughs> just because I guess I'm a Blair Witch expert, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, so we, we can go into that a bit, bit later. But, yeah. I um I, I'm usually called upon for any kind of horror related things uh, in London if they need uh, someone to talk about horror things. Oh, you in? Well, that's what we're here to do today. You have picked the top five. Uh, yeah. I very much. Enjoy- oh, I just knocked my microphone off. Two seconds. <laughs> I mean, I've got to be go. transparent with you, Jed. This is going to be an interesting one, right? <laughs> because um, <laughs> of the three of us, me, Pip, and Chris, mm. Pip and Chris are obsessed with horror. Mm-hmm. Let me give you the measure of the last time we done uh, top five zombie films. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was brought to my attention that Dog Soldiers wasn't uh, a zombie <laughs> film, which was my suggestion. They told me this. <laughs> they, they, they both already <laughs> sold you out, mate. Yeah. <laughs> we could wait I'm to glad say the, the, the Dog Soldiers thing preceded me. Amazing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, like, so for, I'm sure Stu's going to come in with some uh, interesting comments while we we roll through your top five today, mate. So, without he- uh, further ado, what what top five have you gone for? So, I've gone for top five underrated British horror movies. Um, I stuff. feel like, yeah, because people forget that we have horror movies over here. It's all like American stuff. Maybe some stuff in Europe and Canada and Australia. But we forget that we we're the originators. We we've been doing horror since day, day dot. Um, so yeah, I just thought today I'd highlight some of the ones that maybe have passed some people by. Yeah, fantastic. fantastic. Um, it, do you have an order like from five to one, or are they just generally five that you really like? Just five I like. Yeah, that's there's, great. It's, yeah, there's there's maybe there's maybe one, and I'll leave it to last, and that'll be my favourite one, I guess. Cool. But but um, but yeah, shit. Do you want me to, to get cracking? Fire away, yeah. Throw, mm. throw one in there, mate. All right. Well, the, my, my first pick is a film called The Plague of the Zombies, which is a very generic film. It's from 1968. Uh, sorry, 1966. And that's a very important the year it came yeah. out. Because this was a zombie film two years before Night of the Living Dead. And even though Night of the Living Dead, George Romero's amazing Night of the Living Dead, is the template. This came two years before. So all I'm saying is we invented zombie movies, <laughs> proper zombie movies. There's a, and, and I am sure Romero saw Plague of the Zombies and was just like, I'll have some of that. I, yeah. I, I, I'll have some of that. And uh, the thing about, I love about this is it's so British. It's basically uh, a, it's a town in Cornwall. 
it is a uh, a doctor is going nuts because everyone is dying in the village of mysterious circumstances and then other weird stuff's happening too so he calls his, his teacher from London, from, from the, the big smoke, and he's like, I, I need your help. Thinks weird stuff's happening here, and uh, uh, people are dying. I don't know why. And the townsfolk won't let me autopsy them. So so the so the, the, the London doctor comes and helps him. Within five seconds, there's zombies. It's, <laughs> it's zombies. And he's, he's like, oh. and, and, and there's this whole thing about... Um, the townsfolk are in on it. They they do these voodoo rituals. They they believe in these like old gods or whatever, and uh, they are basically killing some of the townsfolk, turning them into zombies, so they can work down the mines. It's a very very British way of doing things, uh, but it, it, it's it's just absolutely brilliant. It's, and it's a hammer hammer horror film as yeah. well, and and one of the absolute best. Really really good. Very, I would say, very on PC in in a number of different ways. Uh, it, it's wrong in 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 many for for many reasons, but um, it's still visually beautiful. Um, and yeah, they 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 did the thing. What Hammer does, they they filmed a few films back to back. So there's a bunch of films around the same time, with the exact same sets, yeah. same Cornwall, uh, to to kind of like uh, save their money. But man, Tra- like, it's a great film. It's- I love uh, yeah, the Hammer Horrors are good. Yeah. Did Ramiro ever credit or acknowledge that film? No, no, oh, yeah, I don't I think don't know. so. No, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure if you go back, there's probably an interview where he says, says he likes it. But um, yeah, it, it's, I mean, there were zombie movies before 1966, but I feel like this has a lot of the elements for, for, for zombies now, the way they look, um, the way they kind of walk and act and their kind of motivations. Uh, and, it, and it harks back to the original, original zombie movies, which were all about um, in um, in Haiti uh, with the, when they were kind of kind of dead, but kind of not dead. They were um, basically people who made these other people work as slaves, as like unpaid slaves. So they made them in the zombie kind of fugue state. And that's kind of where the, the zombie thing came from. Um so yeah, and here you have some of the the kind of Haiti voodoo, um, you know, influence in 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 a little town in Cornwall for some reason. But it's 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 really really they throw in fox hunting and the dangers of fox hunting. That's it. This is in 1966 as well. But it's just visually like beautiful, like like all Hammer movies. Yeah, I I I think. Um... I just love, like, there's so many Hammer Horrors or they go down to Cornwall and Devon. In actual uh, facts, in a lot of your five, they all sort of, like, end up in the southwest coast. Um, but, yeah, they made a bunch of films around that time, didn't they? They are all on the same <laughs> sort of production schedule. So you had another one I really like called yeah. um, uh, Prince of Dar- Dracula, Prince of Darkness, which was Chris, Christopher oh, Lee, yeah. obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one was really good. And I... I, I, I forgot, like, when you when you uh, put, the, put these five, it's like, I've seen a lot of these films, but a long time ago in a time where I had a TV in my bedroom as a kid and would just be like, oh shit, what am I going to treat myself? What am I going to see now? Because you didn't really get to pick what was on. And it's like, I was a hammer horror, deal with it. And uh, yeah, and I love the whole theme of zombie films where it is like witch doctory stuff. Like you said, like White Zombie was the first one where they weren't quite like as more they are today. But I say bring back Mm -hmm. the voodoo for zombies. Like a lot of the time now, in more recent years, so, it's yeah. like biological accidents, yeah. and I'm like, no, nah, get some, get some voodoo back, get some witch doctors going. Uh, yeah, it's, Lo- it's great. Love all that stuff. And yeah. this was made for hundred grand, by the way. 
but I mean, 100 grand in 1966 was probably like 1.5 mil or something, but still <laughs> mm. cheapest chips. Where did your passion for, for horror arise? I mean, Chris just touched on there of just kind of watching old hammers, uh, you know, in his bedroom when he was a kid. Like, was it similar for you? Yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I've mentioned this in places before, but I'm half Filipino. So uh, I don't know if you guys know many Filipino people, but they are very, very into the supernatural. Like it's rare to find a person from Philippines who doesn't believe in ghosts, uh, not just like stories, but actually physical manifestations that they can see every day. Um so yeah, I grew up with my mum telling me these things were real. Werewolves were real. She she told me werewolves were real. She said she's wow. seen it. my mum le- legit. <laughs> yeah, she's legit seen a werewolf. This is her words. She's seen a werewolf, and not only a werewolf, a werewolf playing a flute. Now that is talent. <laughs> wow. Cause, yeah. Because imagine imagine those big furry fingers on those holes. Yeah. It's dead. That's yeah. That's that's terrifying in itself. The the werewolf's yeah. dedication to music. Yeah, and like uh, it's. It, it, so many questions, so many questions, mum. So yeah, so I, I, I grew up thinking like, all these things were real. So you know, as a kid, you think, okay, I'm, I'm going to come up again. I'm going to meet a werewolf. I'm going to meet a vampire. I need to know how to kill these bastards. So what? So I would go into the school library and I'd read every horror book I can, every old story about monsters. I would, I would, I would send off mail orders for American magazines about like um, ghosts and ghouls and goblins. Um, I always just love being in an airport because you get a bigger selection of like weird magazines. So I'd go to WH Smith and just get, oh, it's a weird magazine about monsters. I get that. I went to America when I was a kid as well. Just just brought back loads of monster stuff. And then like so um, that would have been like Fangoria and things like that. Yeah, ex- exactly. All, 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 all that lovely stuff. Um, and then obviously, you know, uh, when I was a kid, and this is like way too long, like six and seven, like friends would share like VHS from their older brothers and their their parents and stuff. So I I, I watched like Evil Dead 2 first, Nightmare on Elm Street, like when I was like six, seven, and all those things uh, just fascinated me so much. And and again, it wasn't like entertainment to me. It was like education. I was like, okay, I need to know about these monsters because like, in case I, I meet one. So I've just, I've just had that same thirst for knowledge about like, monsters and supernatural and horror since a very young age it just hasn't stopped and genuinely and i know a lot of people say this the second i wake up i'm like okay i need to figure out how i can fit in one or two horror movies today and i'm always researching i'm always looking into mythologies from from other cultures as well and thinking oh, how can i weave that into something i'm doing right now um so yeah so it's you know it's a 24 7 thing for me i can't turn off you you basically your mum set you on a road to defend uh, to learn how to defend yourself against the dark arts and dark mm-hmm. forces and as a result of that you now got a career in making movies yeah. yeah yeah it's weird I'm in a real unique position where just because like like I had this weird upbringing thinking monsters was real I am like one of the I guess lead experts in in, in horror now in the, in, the, in this entire country which is handy but the problem is like in and i'm in every i'm saturated now i'm on every single horror documentary of the last two years and like i'm in the the new texas chainsaw massacre documentary and i'm just like why am i in this like literally (laughs) i i got to set and i was like why 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 am i in this like i'm not from texas i'm not american everyone else in it is from the film worked on the film or is like you know a big director and they're just like because you you know horror and it's it's a weird skill and like and like it's it's just managed to kind of like transfer to like work, I guess. 
but yeah, it's it's cool to be doing the thing that like is my hobby and the thing that I love the most as well. I mean, that's the sweet spot, right? Is that if you, you know, if you have that su- such a strong passion for something that you 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 you're habitually watching horror films, right? Yeah. And so, and that sort of like attraction that to the law of it as well. Yeah. You know, it, it, that becomes a niche subject, and then yeah, you find yourself here yeah, doing that, or you've murdered someone with a chainsaw, and that's- I'm not I'm not rolling that out. <laughs> well, one day I'm sure I will but, but that's the thing you, like, I don't know if you remember like but like, back in the days back in like 90s like it was horror was in the news for being like really bad like mm. if you watch horror movies you could be a serial killer yeah. there's all there's a bunch of horror movies banned because they thought it corrupted children's minds it was a bit worse in America but over here it was quite bad too but that just made me and like I didn't know anyone else who was into horror as well so it was a real solitary uh, you know, journey with, with these horror movies. So, um, but yeah, but 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 now, like you know, it's everyone's into horror. It's it's completely mainstream now. So, um, it's, yeah, it's it's mad. You say like back in the day, and you reference nineties films. I'm 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 old as fuck, Jed, and I uh, <laughs> I, I grew up at the time of the video nasty mm-hmm. uh, in, in the early eighties, and and I can't get past. I mean, my my favourite horror film by a mile, uh, unless we claim, unless we're classing Jaws as a horror, I'm I'm going to go American Wolf in London, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and when I saw that, I saw that when I was way too young, and that absolutely scared the living shit out of me. To the fact that my dad had to sit on the landing outside my bedroom door until I went to sleep for about two years, <laughs> right? Had my mum just gone, yeah, they're fucking real. I've seen one playing a fucking flute. Yeah. Mate, <laughs> I'd, my dad would still be sitting on my landing now. <laughs> you know they're, you know they're, they're rebooting American Wealth in, in London. They're, they're making a new one. I don't know if it's been announced yet, actually, but... No, actually, it hasn't been announced yet. So, so heads up. They're Exclusive. Making, <laughs> they're making a new American Wealth in London, yeah. Um, so uh, I'm looking forward to that. It's going to yeah. be really hard, though, because... Mm-hmm. Like so the original's so good, and I feel like they Perfect. accidentally, they accidentally made a classic because the, that the fine line between horror and comedy there, it's so hard to replicate. Like, um, yeah, but yeah, so I'm looking it's, forward to it. It's funny that is a bit of a link back to Plague of Zombies because they that was like of the four that they made around that time, they were like mm-hmm. t- two were like their ones that they were really honing in on, like uh, Dracula, Prince of Darkness. But I think yeah. Plague of the Zombies was kind of like, oh, well, we're going to do this. And then actually, yeah. though, it just was a success. You know, people really rate that as one of the best Hammer ones. It is. Well, uh, it is definitely. It might even be my favourite Hammer film, but it just doesn't get talked about at all because obviously, mm. all all the the Universal monsters that 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 Hammer kind of license, like all the all the Frankenstein, Dracula stuff. That is, uh, that's what people think yeah. um, Hammer's about. But no, there's there's just cool stuff like Plague of the Zombies and the Reptile, Reptile which was the yeah. other one kind of made around yeah. this time. Um, yeah, yeah. There's, there's lot. There's lots, and there's a. It was Hammer and and this other uh, company studio called Amicus. who were around the same time doing amazing British movies. There's an Amicus movie that we'll talk about in a bit, actually. Lovely stuff. And Stu, hopefully, when this uh, when American Werewolf comes out, mate, we'll we'll go to the cinema together. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll come with you. And, uh, yeah, man. I yeah, fucking love that, Jed. Absolutely, yeah. mate. If you, I just figure you probably get you're gonna probably be in the uh, in the premier doing an interview about <laughs> it. But if, you, if you're not, then 100, percent man, we'll get Pip on that as well. Excellent, and, mate. Uh, yeah. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry. 
and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One of us has got to go as a, a you know, a rotting corpse, right? You've got to <laughs> have sit in the cinema Ooh, that's next true. to... Yeah. Like, I'd love that. And Pip can go as a werewolf with a flute. He's yeah, a yeah, he's a yeah. Musician. I mean, this is going to sound interesting. All he needs to do is take his clothes off. That that guy is hairy. <laughs> he's hairy and he's got the, a long body like a lichen. It is, it's a very, very long body, is that, Absolutely. that guy's got. He's about 70% there in the change, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> The hands are already there by <laughs> they a mile. Really are. Hairiest fingers ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, lovely stuff, man. Shall we move on to uh, one of your next choices then, mate? Yeah. Um, the next one is it's an amazing film. It's uh, by a guy, and I'm going to get this wrong because his name's like Polish, by Jerzy Skolomowski. Jerzy Skolomowski. Um, and he's the writer and director of an amazing film called The Shout, uh, which is a 1978 British horror film. And this one is so 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 interesting because if you're ever if you're into podcasts or you're a musician this you, you should check out this because again it's set it's set in in the uk in the 70s though it kind of looks very 60s ish um and uh it is about this couple who live in this, this lovely little house and he he works in audio he works in he's like a musician um uh yeah he, he messes around with audio and he does electronic stuff and then this random stranger turns up um, in their house, and he's a guy. Um, he's he's very very strange, and you think he's kind of got designs on the wife of the couple because the wife's played by Susanna York, who in all of these in all of these type of films, she's always the wife that gets attacked, the girlfriend that gets attacked. Um, but this guy, what he tells this couple, this mysterious guy, is he's figured out how to kill people with audio with with sound so um with a shout and he's learned it from a shaman so that's why this is called the shout it's, it's about the the kind of journey and some of it is very surreal by the way it's about you know the, this discovery and the implementation of this shout and, and and what happens but it's really really interesting i i think it's a it's a it's a classic and um, yeah, I don't want to spoil too much, but um, this one's totally under the radar. I think I originally saw it. I think it might have been at the BFI, like maybe about ten years ago or something. 
Um, you can actually watch this on YouTube. Like I think I watched it a couple of years ago on, on YouTube as well. Um, it's it's fantastic. It really, really, really good and just very strange. And it makes you think, how did they get away with making movies like this? And they were just allowed to. Whereas now it's just so, you know, anything that isn't just obviously commercial kind of is really difficult to get made, especially in this country. And this will mm. be a running three... Uh, theme throughout this whole thing how hard it is to make horror films in this country now it's almost impossible uh but yeah this, this guy came over he made it for very little money it didn't make much money in the box office which is probably why you haven't heard too much about it but um yeah it was nominated for a palm door at, at Cannes in 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 78 so you know it was kind of critically acclaimed it just never crossed over to mainstream to be fair man this is the one out of the four that you um Suggest uh, five you suggested this is one I hadn't seen and I oh, still haven't watched it so I kind of I was tempted to I didn't know whether to watch it before or listen to what you had to say about it because sometimes I find it more interesting if we we come to something a bit cold yeah and so that's kind of what I did with that I mean I, I looked at briefly that it's got John Hurt in it and the, the premise sounds really good um John Hurt you know. Tim Curry Susanna York um Jim Broadbent but they are very nice. minor characters. Mm. Like um, Susanna York is one of the main characters, but mm. it's Alan Bates is the mysterious guy. So yeah, you know, it's like seventies British kind of character actors all, all, all through this. Um, yeah, Tim Curry isn't in it very much, but you know, he's still great. Susanna York was a was a huge star then. She yeah. would have been a you know a a, 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 a huge mainstream uh, actor as well. Yeah, and 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 with John Hurt as well, but like. You know, this didn't. This just didn't do very very well. It made. I'm looking at it here. It made 170 grand at the box office, and even in the late 70s, that was that wouldn't cover its costs. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's it's. I, I'd really really liked it this to be more revered because the ideas in this and the cinematography is absolutely beautiful mm. as well. And um, yeah, just 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 that concept of a sound that can kill people, um, which we kind of did. I subconsciously ripped this off we did me, me and rob did this uh, uh short film called dawn of the death about a sound that kills people maybe yeah. subconsciously this is where it's from like, sometimes it's it's hard to like cover it all though because yeah. the horror genre is such a deeply stacked mm-hmm. uh like i was on a podcast the other day the spooky shelf podcast with joe degree and yeah. we were just talking about like how many horrors can you name that are on trains Mm-hmm. And and like there's so many that you can f- easily forget something, and they you know yeah. it's diff- like you know like you say dawn of the death. It's very difficult for you to definitely know whether or not that's going to be there's going to be some themes. And in most ho- many horrors share similar themes. There was one yeah. called um, uh, one that was quite slept on that I love. Uh, have you ever heard? You seen Pontypool? Love Pontypool. Oh, so good. Love it. I I quote Pontypool yeah. to people. They have no <laughs> idea what I'm talking about. Love that film, man. Yeah. So good. So contained. I would like to see that on, like, I was thinking someone should convert that to, like, to, to like a, a stage show like, in the theatre because it's mostly just one room. Yeah. But, and it's just a DJ just speaking into his mic. Yeah. And I was like, wow, you, like, this has painted such a vivid picture of this oh. world becoming infested with, with the zombies. Um, and it's just a DJ speaking into his mic. It's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, and the things that he's hearing from the the reporters around yeah. the around the area, and like you said, that's mm-hmm. such a good idea. It could be a stage show, but yeah. I also love the fact, uh, like with Pontypool and a lot of horrors, I like they almost get extra marks when they're done on a, like a shoestring budget with no with not a lot of money. I mean, me and you 
me, me, you and Pip were talking about this, like the creativity that it forces. Mm-hmm. Um, and Pontypool does it. It just feels like, oh God, it's within reach. Like if you, if you yeah. love horror and you want to get out there, you can, you can do it. You can make something like that. Um, I think like that's, it shares it's like what you did with host. You guys, how you, you know, you, mm-hmm. Rob and Gemma wrote host. It's got that sort of thing of we're well, locked down. Really. We limit, we've got a, a bunch of limitations, yeah. Um, and actually those limitations can force that sort of creativity. Yeah, totally. Like it's, we, we wouldn't have made it if it wasn't for, for, uh, the, the lockdown and, you know, we made it for very little money. Like it'll be, it's, it'll be the cheapest movie you, you can think of. And, um, yeah, we, we, we spun gold out, out of nothing really. And of course we, you know, we didn't, we didn't expect it. And that's, that's, it makes it feel even, even more special because like maybe, maybe I tell a lie. I think me and Rob secretly knew like between us, okay, we, 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 You're onto something. nothing special here, but yeah. like, I think everyone else, like, especially the cast, the cast was so blase about it. They were just like, because we were every day we were just, you know, we were watching movies on like uh, Netflix party, whatever it was called at the time, um, every single day. And so we were jumping on zoom all the time and we just, Oh, let's make a little, little film. We didn't know if it was going to be five minutes, if it was going to be two hours. We, we just, we, we just made it. And, um, you know, it's, it turned out, it turned out to be host. <laughs> like it, it's crazy. And I, I sometimes think, what what would have happened if we hadn't made host? If we, continue to do what we were doing before which was we were going to make a film with sam raimi that that that's what me and rob were just about to do before covid hit so it would have been a very different uh situation i think are you going to go back to do that film with sam do you know if there's any chance that you can do that i mean i'm yeah. sure that yeah 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 at some point i mean like sam sam raimi um a bit of a flex so he, he's like my mentor so um so me and him are working on a whole bunch of stuff um uh, he just helped on a project I just finished uh, just now, and like, yeah, we're looking to, to do s- some more stuff. But he's he's a, he's a, a very busy guy, and his last film made a billion dollars. So you know, him, him messing around with my little things <laughs> is it feels feels very strange when like literally he made the last good Marvel movie in, in my <laughs> in <laughs> my eyes. Man, that's what a privilege to have him there. And you know, you've earned it, mate. You've done the um you've done your oh, homework. Thanks, you've done your homework out of being petrified that um you might see a werewolf <laughs> with a fucking flute. Which well, that's be- the thing. That's the th- that's why I think me and Sam bond quite a lot, because I think Sam's probably used to having to, you know, not dumb himself down with with horror, but like he probably doesn't get to be the because he is just a, he's just a horror geek. He's just a film geek. All he wants to do is talk talk about films, little nuances and little things about films from the past. And like I I can I've got this weird memory where I can I can I can pinpoint little things, especially with Sam Raimi films because he he was um he was helping with this one particular shot in the in this film I just did. And I was, oh yeah, you did that in, you did that in this scene in Crime Wave. And he was like, you've seen Crime Wave? And I'm like, yeah, man, I, I, I love Crime Wave. And he was like, oh, do I need to, do I owe you any money? And I'm like, no, no. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys know about Crime Wave, but Crime Wave is the movie Sam Raimi directed after Evil Dead, which completely bombed. It was written by the Coen brothers. And it's the reason why Sam went back and did Evil Dead 2, because he needed a hit. And it's also the reason why the Coen brothers started directing because they hated what Sam did on Crime Wave. <laughs> so that film, Crime Wave, basically 
uh, kick-started, uh, you know, Sam Raimi's, the rest of Sam Raimi's career, plus the Coen brothers, because that film's so shit. <laughs> but I, lo- I actually the, love Crime the, Wave. The ripple effect. It's, it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> should, we, should we step on to uh, yeah, number man. three? Yeah, let's do it. No. Number three uh, is Deathline, uh, which I absolutely love. It's also called Raw Meat in, 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 in I believe, in, in America. But Deathline, directed by Gary Sherman, is amazing because it is, I think it was one of the first horror movies I'd seen that was, besides American Wealth in London, that was set in London. And I remember watching this. I think it was one of those Jonathan Ross Presents on Channel 4 type type vibes where he, um, where he presented, uh, you know, a, a horror film late at night and it was... Deathline, and it's a horror film set on the London underground. So, anything because most of the, the things we consume are American. So, anything set in in the UK, especially London, I'm just all, I'm all over that. And uh, yeah, this this film's great. It's basically about a couple of students who decide to investigate a missing person, realise that they'd gone onto the underground and went missing. And then you hear about a cave-in that happened in the 1800s where potentially a group of people got caved in and then started their own cannibalistic society underground, in the London which is now the London Underground. Um, oh, it's amazing. And Donald Pleasance is in it, hamming it up, basically doing his thing that he did in Halloween, yeah. but, you know, in, in London. I absolutely bloody love this movie. And, like, me and, and, and Rob Savage, like, we've always thought about remaking this death line. And at one point, we almost did it was on a list of films that we were given to potentially remake and people were like oh, but the original's so good why would we do this to ourselves um when yeah, did it come out jed 1972 1972 uh and it looks like it as well and there's been you know there's been a lot of films since uh, horror movies set on the london underground mm. but i think this is by far the best one and there's there's you know there's nods to it in that film creep that came out about like yeah. 15 years ago as well but uh no this is this is the best one of all all, all that stuff really grimy 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 london a little bit like um you know how you see new york in in like new york ripper or like yeah. or like in the late 70s early 80s movies that's london so seedy and we forget like london's so you know it's so cl- relatively clean compared to how it was in the 70s mm. jeez louise it is it is dirty, grimy. It just it just feel like you're gonna get attacked every five seconds and then yeah. these uh yeah, and it's got, you know, all all, all the, the, the classic kind of actors from the time. You've got um Christopher Lee, yeah, Donald Pleasance, uh Hugh Armstrong, he's in a whole bunch of these and uh yeah, David Ladd. It is it is great. It is really, really good. It does look like it needs a good wash. I mean and, and you do, like you do it does remind me of those sort of like those New York movies or like films like yeah. there's one called Street Trash that was Love really trash. but like when I when it, I remember the first time I watched Street Trash my, my stomach was just it just it feels grimy doesn't it how it's shot it's brilliant it's, it's meant to do that it's meant to make you feel yeah. repulsed in many ways because of the commentary mm-hmm. it's trying to give but um, yeah. I think like like you said with like Creep the monster in Creep it don't get me like uh, Deathline, because I, I, I think the guy that, that you know, the cannibalistic, inbred, plague-ridden dude, he still looks more human, but he just looks a bit more minging, and he's a dribbler, yeah. Stu. He dribbles a lot, and I don't know. There's something in that that just like <laughs> there's scenes in it where he's trying to, he's like abducted someone, and he's trying to be in some way affectionate before he goes a bit darker. And the sort of like drool is just coming from mm-hmm. his chin on his hand, and I don't know. There's just something so 
tacit about that. It just makes you feel, oh, get away from me. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's really good. Yeah. And like just the, the tone, I think, I think it's just the seventies. And in America, there were a lot of those kind of, um, you know, paranoid against the government movies. Um, but at yeah. the same time, there was a lot of like cannibal movies. It's the rise of the cannibal movies. And this is kind of piggybacking off the rise of the cannibal movies. Um, but it is, if it's so grim and like, you know, if it was made now, there would be like, you know, literal light at the end of the tunnel, but, here there's not it just it just feels like there's no hope london is screwed everyone is screwed these things are going to get you um yeah it is it's, it's kind of depressing in a very entertaining way um, and i just love the shots of like just seeing old train stations on back in bay yeah. russell square and holborn and stuff and they look very similar to how they were now just a little bit cleaner i guess a, yeah. a few less cannibals around now but um but yeah it's it's approximately the same newer newer that, trains basically yeah. but yeah they were the video nasties as well cannibal ferox cannibal holocaust they were all being passed around Love all and, those movies. Uh, yeah again just horrific <laughs> like, absolutely yeah. terrified me it's um cannibal holocaust is um I really like that movie. I know it's kind of controversial to say, but like, because, you know, there was, they killed a bunch of real animals on set. Oh, and yeah, I forgot the, about that. Yeah. The director, I mean, he's since apologized, but he he's he's an ass. He's dead now, rest in peace. But he was an asshole. He treated everyone like crap on set. He, he basically abused like all the actors. Um, but what we're left with is a, is a movie that is of its time. And it's very, 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 very effective for what he's trying to do. He wanted to gross people out. He wanted to scare mm. people. And 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 it, it's also the dawn, I, I think, of fan footage, um, Cannibal Holocaust, um, because, you know, that that's the conceit, at least part yeah. of the film, the conceit is shot on, on found film. Um but 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 yeah, this 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 feels equally as grimy, uh, Deathline. And 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 basically anything at all with uh, Donald Pleasance in it, I'll, I'll watch as well. I think he brings a bit of light to it, right? Like he, yeah. his, his, his character, whilst intelligent is also his ego, a little bit gets in the way to the investigation and he has yeah. a little bit of rivalry with Christopher <laughs> Lee's cameo as somebody works with uh, for MI5. He pops his head in. Uh, yeah. But Donald Pleasant throughout it is just super entertaining to watch and he's obviously a... He's been in so many horror films. He's a cornerstone of it, isn't he, really? He is, uh, but yeah. he's, he's a lot of fun in it. And there is a little bit, like, even with some of the dark, like, there's this weird thing in it, Stu, where obviously these cannibals, they're stuck underground. They haven't learned to talk or they've lost the capacity. And they they mumble things and you're not quite sure what they're saying. Then more towards the end of it, this this cannibal keeps saying, hold the door. <laughs> and it's like, like, it's horrible and it's grim. And forever, throughout this film, I felt sorry for the monster because he loses his wife and it's just like, it's fucking traumatic really um, until he starts killing everyone but then like even even at the end like, the last thing you hear is hold the door <laughs> and like, like i think there's a little bit of lightness there because like as you That's say Jen, it is like um yeah it's it's it's, yeah, it's pretty gritty but yeah it's great it's good good film yeah and i just just think for how good it is it just doesn't get talked about enough mm. and like not seeing it in like lists of like best british movies um let alone horror movies i think it's, it should be like at least the top 100 best british movies for, for me just because it's such a 
product of, of its time, but also it's showing you London. And I, I love films that show London, like American Wealth in London, it's showing you London, which uh, which is great. Man, that under the underground scene in American Werewolf in London is just it's, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Love it, yeah, yeah. I think they use the same stations as well. Yeah, I mean the the final scene with the you know the, the coming out of cinema where he, you know and the the car oh, crashes yeah. and that it's a fucking amazing scene. Yeah, uh, yeah. Number two, please, Jed. Um, so again, this is not in any particular order. So, but this is my penultimate one. Um, it's from Beyond the Grave, which is a anthology movie from Amicus Studios, and Amicus were kind of like a rival to, to Hammer. Amazing British company. They they realised that um, British anthologies were the way to go, and, and and they would get their bang for the buck for their buck by basically. Doing these, you know, four, three stories with a with a wraparound, and they realised that you could you could get like big name British TV actors like for the day, and only have to pay them for a day, and just get them in to do a few lines, and then you could use their name, and and that's how they would get people in. You'd say Diana Dawes is in this one; she's only in it for two minutes, but um, it it was great. And so, and they started their first well, one of their first films was Tales from the Crypt. So people think Tales from the Crypt was you know, an American movie. Tales from the Crypt is a British movie, um, and then it became American afterwards. Um, so Amicus did did these anthology movies. It made them a whole bunch of money. Doctor Terror's House of Horrors, Torture Garden, The House That Drip Blood, Asylum, which is really good, um, and they did uh, The Vault of Horror, which is also also amazing. But like towards the end of Amicus's kind of uh, run, they did a film called From Beyond the Grave, which is one of my favourite ones. Um, and from Beyond the Grave, uh, I mean, there's a million stars in it, but okay, it stars the the late great David Warner as well, who's as soon as you see him, see him in mm. in in the film, you know, oh wow, this is going to be good, and oh, it's it just has this aesthetic about it. it. It's 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 amazing, and and Peter Cushion's in this as well. Uh, by the way, he's the kind of um, the wraparound. He's he he owns this like antique shop, which is the kind of the foundation for all the other stories to bounce off. Um, but yeah, David David Warner is is amazing, and he buys this antique mirror in it, and it's like um you know it's like a fairy tale. There's this this creature, this man in in the mirror telling him to kill people. So he goes out and finds a prostitute, brings her back, kills her for the mirror because the mirror is telling him what to do. And it's just just a amazing weird stories like that, but set in set in London, and you can see London in, in the background and. It's um I, I'm just so nostalgic, even though I wasn't alive. I'm so nostalgic for like 70s London. It just looks so, so cool. Um and yeah, and, and this is, you know, I'm always about promoting Amicus, and I think someone should reboot them. Um, and if I had the opportunity, I would, because like for a very, very small British studio, they managed to achieve you know worldwide like success with tales from the crypt is still going basically yeah. um and uh like i know i think the guy who who ran it his kids maybe ran it for a little while but i don't think they do anymore um but yeah it's it's one of those things that i think we could do again as a as a country if we um invested in our film industry um in, into our horror film industry as well it would be great because what one of my one of my biggest pet peeves with how we are the infrastructure of, of British Film Fund at the moment is um we use public money, lottery mon- money, 
grants and all that to fund films through the BFI that are for a very, very niche audience, mm. arty films. And I, I think you should use public money to fund movies for the public, not not for a very niche amount of people. I think there is a place for you know RE films because maybe it w- they wouldn't get made otherwise. But when you're using that money to to make costume dramas all the time or poverty porn, that's that's, that's the two movies the mm. BFI fund: poverty porn and costume dramas. And I'm sick of them. I'm sick of them. That's not representative of of the UK. It's not representative or even of London. They're two massive extremes. What about everything in between? Um, Why do you think they've got this obsession with it? I think because they like awards and those type of things historically have gotten awards. Yeah, gotcha. And they, they want to be able to like go to their to their to their mates, hey look, we won this award, we won this mm. award, we won this award. But how about making a sustainable film industry instead? How about making a film that people want to see? It's we can see from the box office people want to see superhero movies, action movies, and horror movies. Um Okay, forget about superhero movies. We'll, we'll never be able to make good ones yeah. of those. Let's make some action movies. We've got martial artists here, amazing martial artists who just go to America to, to do stuff. We've got amazing horror film creators here who, again, they make one good film and they swan off to America. Every single one of our of our good directors leave the UK to make films because because they, they don't get funded here. So I think let's make movies that people want to see uh, here like what Amicus used to do, and then we have a sustainable industry because money will be coming back instead of never making a profit because you you don't have to because you're an art fund um, and you're a charity. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that's why, why I think doing something like this where we could, for very little money, you could harness um, you know, po- popular TV stars from around the UK, put them all into one film, it'll bring people in, and uh, yeah. And then we, it's something we you thought a lot about industry. on them. And I, oh, like, like Amicus, it was done on a like um like like, like you said. I th- I didn't notice. Like it makes sense now when you say it, but like how they would get in big stars for like one day shoots and how that really yeah. suits anthologies. Like it's a clever like like how you write a, like a like something like a good horror script that doesn't cost a lot. It's just clever thought or clever planning about even the the structure of the company mm-hmm. and how you decide to then produce so it can start feeding itself. Yeah. If if someone can get behind it, then yeah, hopefully that'll reboot exactly. the industry. Yeah. Man, like, well, well, hopefully well, we'll see you at the front of that at some point. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Well, I'm I'm. I'm trying to start my own production company as well, but I'm not going to just be one of those people that start a production company and then don't do anything. Um, <laughs> it, it needs it needs to be the infrastructure needs to be there. There needs to be a constant fund coming in every year. So, okay, but this is the kind of thing I would do. I would do a British anthology, utilize the same tricks they they did in the sixties and the seventies. Um, and I just feel like people don't understand how mm. we became the biggest. Uh, like horror film industry for like about 20, 30 years and how it how it kind of slipped away, mostly because the funding disappeared and went towards uh, uh, other things. Um, but but yeah, I am on my soapbox a lot about <laughs> about this. One day, one day we'll see. That's um, what I'm glad we chatted about it, Jed, to be honest with you. Like the podcast does go in different, different angles. It's nice to get your insight on those bits and pieces. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, from Beyond the Grave. It was an anthology. Uh, yeah, like you say, uh, I think Donald Pleasance is back in that one as well, isn't he? Yeah, um, he's in this with Diana, Diana Dawes. Very hazy memory of this. Um, 
but yeah, it, oh god, what was it? The, yeah, like you said, you, the mirror one. I thought that I, I remember that one being pretty cool. And oh, what are the other ones? There's one where there's a oh, there's a presence, and they they try and exercise it um, yes. with a clairvoyant. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so so each of the segments relate to an object that was bought from the antique shop or mm. was in the antique shop. So it was, it, the whole the whole wraparound is Peter Cushing like you know saying Quality, how about yeah, this object it. and yeah. that's it's, it's, a, it's a real good because they like, screwed the they, he gets screwed up like every time mm-hmm. he they sort of like shortchange him on what they biased you as well like the mirror he, he says it's worth a lot of money I don't know how much it is mm-hmm. and then um and then he gets he get ends up taking twenty five pound for it, and then someone else sw- swaps a tag, a price tag or something. So every time you fuck over the shopkeeper, actually it comes and bites you on the ass. Have yeah. you seen uh, Jed? Have you seen? Um, uh, do you like Garth Marenghi? Love Garth Marenghi. Oh, dude, have you seen? Have you been on? Have you done his tour? Where he's done this Teratome thing? No, I, I, I've not yet. No, I'm gutted. <laughs> I will. I, I keep missing it. Like, I, obviously, like I, I love all those guys and. Um, Alice Slave worked with a whole bunch, um, and so was so was Pip now as well. Um, but yeah, we um, no, I, I absolutely love Garbarengi. Like I, I want more. So funny. I want Same. more. Six oh, episodes. That's all we got. It's not enough. Tragic. It's, it's yeah. absolutely. It's so funny. And Terratome is great. But in that, he like there is this kind of like there's there's parts to that book, and in that he goes to a store, and the store owner basically sells him a psychic typewriter. <laughs> It's fucking amazing, man. But if he does like, a, I would go back. I would go and re, if he does the live show back in London again, mm-hmm. I would go back and watch it because it was it was absolutely it was absolutely quality. It was Matt, Matt Holness who did he nice. made Possum, didn't he? He's great. And Possum, I thought was fucking. Um, he did. That, that was quality. Uh, it's funny because when I thought when you were going to do grim, underrated though. horrors, it is well grim. There's some there's some yep. lines of dialogue in that that just make me just feel sick and. Uh, yeah. I thought maybe you, if you'd have done a more recent one, I figured you, like Possum might appear on that because it kind of like my mates yeah. hadn't really heard of it. I was like, yeah. I, I kind of wanted to do things a little bit older just mm. because, you know, it's. Uh... But yeah, maybe if I did a more modern version of this, yeah, Possum would be on it. Yeah. It, it, it is good, but it's just so grim. I felt really <laughs> like off and depressed after watching Yeah, yeah. yeah a bit different from Garth Marenghi. Oh, um, yeah. Okay, right. Shall we do hit the uh, the final Top one? Spot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the final one is uh, the Bernard Rose movie, Paper House, uh, from nineteen eighty eight. And Bernard Rose is the guy that he directed Candyman uh, a few years later, which is what he's mostly known for. But this was the film he did before. And I, th- I mean, Candyman is one of the best horror movies ever. But I prefer Paper House. And people. This people have slept on this, but I remember getting this out of Blockbuster, or actually maybe it was my, my kind of local uh, video store constantly. You know, you know when sometimes you used to get like three videos for ten pounds, yeah. um, and you pick two of the newer ones, and you go, okay, I need, I need one that's been out for a while that's only like one ninety nine now. Um, okay, and it was all for me. It was it was either Paper House or Labyrinth or something like that. <laughs> I absolutely love it, and and it's about a little girl who's sick. She's sick at home and uh, she draw- she draws and the things she draws when she falls asleep, she sees them. So she draws and she, to, to be fair, her illustration skills are borderline terrible. So she, she, she draws a, a crooked house and in her dream, you see that crooked house perfectly, you know, manifested. Um, 
but in a really you know spooky scenario um and then she did a thing which still to this day i think is absolutely genius she draws she she's in, she's in, she's in this in her dream she's she's lonely but when she's awake again <laughs> she draws a face in the window of of the house so and so she draws face the body and the hands and then she goes to sleep and then when she's in the dream she goes into the house she goes up the stairs and there's a boy there but his legs are he's crippled because she didn't draw his legs so like he that so he, he's forevermore now he is you know, he can't walk so he's in a wheelchair and they have all these like adventures um kind of together but then she draws some other stuff she, she should have kind of stopped there but she she uh she drew um a man basically which is which is her dad um and then the scary thing is she scrubs out his face in the picture, which you, you just know that's not going to turn out well. <laughs> yeah. So so when she falls asleep, there's a man there and his face is like basically missing and he's coming after her. And just all of these mad dream imagery like things is it's so inventive. And like, I'm just like, wow, this is, is, and it's based on um, Marianne Dreams, this book from, I think it's from the 60s. And then it was made into a six part TV show in the 70s called Escape Into Night, which is, which is amazing. But this is, yeah, this is the film version and it's, it's much more inventive, just much, much cooler. And, and again, I love seeing, uh, stuff set in the UK. There's a lighthouse in it. There's like cliffs. It's, it's 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 just very British and cool. I love it. Have you seen Have you seen that, Sean? Uh, Stu? No, I haven't. No, have you? Yeah, but like a, a long, long time ago. It's, it seems like Jed. It was a. It was almost like a comfort one for you as well. You you go back yeah. to revisit that one. Uh, it is. It's, it yeah. definitely is a comfort film. It's just. It just has a vibe, but you don't. Yeah. It's just. There's there's a certain light in the UK um, which you can't. Like you can't shoot in America for for the mm. UK. Like I, the thing that I just just filmed for, actually pips in that as well. I keep putting pip and stuff. The thing mm. I just this filmed it was originally meant to be in in America. They wanted it in America, but I'm like, no, no, the light's different. Like here, I can't set I can't say it's in America. I need this specific light. This light that I remembered from films that I liked, like Paper House, mm. where. You can't reproduce it. It doesn't matter how good your gaffer is, your cinematographer. You can't reproduce this light that you get uh, in here, I, I think. And you can see that in, in Paper House. There's another film from the 80s as well, another British film, just a little bonus called Dream Demon with uh, with Timothy Spawn and, and Jimmy Nail. And and I promise wow. you, it's amazing. Dream Demon. Man, I haven't seen that. I'll it's so, it so good. Uh, but yeah, it just has this vibe, this... Um, obviously shot on film so the grain's really really cool um but yeah paper house it's it's like one of those gateway horror movies because it's tangentially horror but it's also just a really good drama and the special effects are incredible um yeah it's it's quite like it's like a story it's like a game of two arse to an extent because it's like as she's building up this 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 dream world it's kind of like there's elements where you think "Mm, I mm-hmm. think this might go sideways, but it might not. Yeah. And then there's kind of this point, Stu, where yeah, she has this. She she decides that the almost like the pressure of looking after this kid in her dreams is too much. She screws it up and chucks it away, and then that fucking just makes the dream world go a lot darker. Mm-hmm. And then it's a, it's a lot scarier after after that point. But to start with, it's almost like uh, it's 
it's just psychological really and yeah. but elements of horror and then they, they those themes come back and back more and more like issues with her dad and that in the in the in the, the part but it's very simply like it's quite cleanly shot it, i think there's a lot of simple elements in it and like you say about the light i didn't that's a really interesting observation that yeah yeah it's it, it's you know it's something really intangible as well and like yeah. it's 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 hard to replicate and, and i've tried to do it a couple of times to, to to get that light and it's really hard to to, to explain it as well to mm. a to a, a colorist um who, who's who's grading like a film i was like i need that kind of british color that british for, from like british horror films of the late 80s and early 90s there's a certain look to it which i absolutely love um it just feels like dangerous like because with with america everything's so colorful and actually you get a little bit in hellraiser because hellraiser was was actually shot yeah. In 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 London, in in North London, in Dollis Hill, I actually live right next to the Hellraiser house, and you can see in Hellraiser there's a certain light. It doesn't look like LA. Yeah. It's 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 very much the UK. I absolutely love it. Well, Jed, it's been lovely looking backwards uh, 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 at some some incredible films, which are uh, definitely going to be on my list of things to, uh, to 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 catch up on, and. Let's look forwards now. Um, yeah. What's going on with you? Me? Um, I just finished filming something for a particular streamer. I can't talk about it. It's the thing that pips in. Not allowed <laughs> to talk about it just yet, but it's pretty epic. Um, I get to I get to mess around with time travel, so so that's good. And and monsters again, which which is great. Um, and uh, so that's that'll come out some point this year. Um, I have, uh, you know, multiple things that have been greenlit. Um, who knows what will happen there? I've got a game coming out as well. I've got. Um, Can you uh, tell us a little bit about the the game that's coming? Yeah, out? Yeah, the, the game's called Ghosts. It's a live action video game. It is. It stars all the girls from Host. Uh, Alice Lowe from Carth Marigli's Star Place. Uh, Pip, um, and a bunch of other people that you, you might recognise. A couple of other people from host um yeah and it's it's basically a game where you get to you're the producer director of a tv show and you get to uh try and keep your tv show afloat and alive while crazy things are happening and it's set in real time as well so you can only play the game at 10 p.m at night because that's what time this tv show airs um i love that concept jed honestly cheers um, man yeah, honest. Like I think Pip first said that to me, and I just thought, yeah. oh. because like yeah. like in this day and age, like if you look at all the streaming services, everything's so easy and accessible, right? Like, yeah. and and then like we were saying this back when when this conversation first started. Like back when I was younger, I, I was lucky enough to have a telly in my room, but I had four four channels to watch, and that's yeah. when I absorbed so many of these these because films. There's a, there's a journey attached yeah. to it. Yeah. You know, Jeb mentioned going to Blockbuster yeah. and he could afford yeah. three with that ten pound. And mm -hmm. so you chose carefully. Yeah. And like and so it's 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 the same with, with record shopping. Mm -hmm. You know, you'd go to the record shop and you'd buy that record and you'd go home and you could you, you know, you didn't have Spotify, you couldn't just listen to everything. So you treasure and you really sort of max what you've got and yeah. i think that's when it starts to resonate whereas yeah. there's so much now that it's easy to just go after 10 minutes oh do you know i'm not feeling yeah. this You're and like you might be a walking away from the best fucking cinematic experience of your life yeah. do you know what i mean yeah but because it's, it's so saturated it's it's so easy to do that so yeah, yeah so, totally the journey 
Exactly. Lim- and like- limiting it makes you really, it just makes you savour it, doesn't it? Instead of just oh, everything yeah. just being free, you're not grateful for it. You're really focused in in that hour and probably adds to the jeopardy of, oh, I've got an hour to not fuck up here as well. Exactly. And, and like, you know, because, you know, every everything's so sanitised right now. No one's done this before. So, like, as soon as I announced it, like, the, the, the gaming world went crazy at me, like, genuinely, like, literal death threats because i i'm just like make your own game then it like no, no one's forced <laughs> you to buy this game yeah. um but you know like it, it's it's i think it's an interesting uh different thing to do and like um like i like the uh, like hideo kojima um who's the guy that um he's an amazing uh game developer he's he's the guy behind um metal gear solid um, Death Strand and things like that. He is kind of like the person I look up to in in the games world, where he takes chances. He 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 made a game um, for the Game Boy Advance in the early two thousands mm. called Boktai: The Sun Is in Your Hand, which is it, which is a game where you're a vampire hunter and you can use real sunlight to to help you along the way. So there's like a solar panel on the back of the game on the Game Boy Advance, and it makes you go outside to use the sunlight to help you kill these vampires. And I'm just like. Amazing. That's, that's why I want. I I, I mm. want you to have this physical experience, not just like a mindless kind of thing. So, um, yeah, and and you know, because like I've never. This is my first game. I'm just like, yeah, I'll just you know, just get everyone involved. I'll, I'll I need a creature. I'll just call up Jim Henson's Creature Shop. They'll make my creatures for me, and, and that's what that's what they did. Like, it's uh, yeah. I just I just didn't know what the rules are, and I still don't. I'm I'm not playing, but I'm, I try not to play by rules. Cause I'm just like. I'm just going to do it until someone tells me no, then I'll just keep doing and, it. And you're having a lot of fun with it, mate. And and I think if you can do that, I, I think Gat, Gat, when I was looking at some of your um, select, uh, selections and I was just trying to remind myself of other movies they'd done, like Gary Sherman, yeah. and he, and he did like um, Dead and Buried. And, and I read it. Re- yeah. yeah, yeah, it's dope. And Cornwall, again, so I don't know what's going on there. I think all horror films should just now be in the Southwest. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> And he's just like, I, I just do things. I just have fun. Like I, I, I'm lucky enough to have lived a life where I just do things that I really enjoy and I care about. It's not like they're flippant. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it and I care about it. And I don't know what my legacy will end up being. But, you know, and I, I think that's the same thing here, Jed. Like, just do, just keep on doing what you're doing and um, we, we'll enjoy it, even if it is only for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> an hour a day at 10 o'clock. I <laughs> know, oh, it's, it's more than an hour. It's more than an hour. But oh, like, you, right. you, might, you, might die before, you might die before the hour's up. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, it's, you'll be, you could be playing it for a long, a long time. But, but you have to play it every day. It starts again at 10. So if you die, then that's it. You've got to start again the next day. Awesome. And Jed, if people want to keep up to speed with all of your projects, where would you direct them to? Um, I would say Twitter. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make jedshepard.com. Um, I haven't yet, so that that think, keep keep that in mind. But until then, just follow me on socials. Um, just at Jed Shepherd on everything, uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Twitter's probably probably best. But I am trying to like phase away from social media. I quite like, I always think to myself, Sam Raimi doesn't have social media. <laughs> Steven Spielberg doesn't have social media. Uh, I know I need it to like promote stuff, but um, yeah, it's it's just a, it's a lot of noise where it, it, it doesn't have to be. It's it, but um, yeah. Well, we, we'll uh, we, we'll tag you in it on our, on our social, so if people aren't Cheers, following you already, then they will uh, they can do so now. Um, Jed, it's been an absolute pleasure a lot of fun. talking yeah. to you, mate. Thank you so much for giving up your time. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it.
Cheers, Jed. Absolute pleasure. Catch We're going to press stop. Don't go anywhere. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present Our Core Listing, the podcast.